You're listening to the I Can Relate podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Miller. On this podcast, we talk to relatable and amazing people with real life struggles and joys sharing the goodness of God. Each episode is designed to bring encouragement to your life. So make sure you subscribe today. Also, don't forget to give five stars and write a review so others can find this podcast and be blessed. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's guest is Heather Tice. She's the pastor's wife of Southern Hills in Las Vegas, Nevada. She also counsels many women and her heart on this episode is to share with us how to disciple your children. This is something that she is very passionate about and is also very intentional about with her own children. We are really going to glean a lot from her wisdom and I'm really hoping that you will be encouraged to intentionally disciple your own children. So let's get started. So we moved to Las Vegas in 2012 and uh, the church was running, your church was running maybe like 425. I think I have the old yeah, like itinerary and cue card or something that says that number because <laughs> I held on to it as a keepsake. <laughs> yeah. And so um, Heather is the pastor's wife of Southern Hills in Las Vegas. And that was a church that we were able to have the opportunity to work in for mm-hmm. five years. I think it was five years. Yeah. Five years. And so, um, March of 2012, um, I think we came out to interview and then we moved there in May, um, of 2012. So the church was out 425 and we were so blessed to be a part of a church plan. I feel like, um, Las Vegas was a very pivotal time in us Mm -hmm. learning, um, a lot about ministry. We've loved ministering with you guys and you and Steven brought such like just creativity to the team and hard work. And it was just some fun years. Yes. (laughs) And you and you too. I think at that time, like when you came on, you had to take nursery, like the newest staff members wife got nursery, not a very welcoming gift, but right. You're like, here you go. We're so glad you're part of the team. Here's the nursery ministry. Now don't pull your hair out. But you took it like a champ and you took it creatively. And um, we've been real blessed with that. So we've seen, quite a few of our ladies step up to the task of that, but it's good to be here. I've enjoyed listening to the podcast and I don't know how you do it because I know even just now you and I, we talked a little before, but there are so many more things I want to ask you and questions I have, you know, just catching up. And yeah. so I know when you talk to each of these ladies you interview, it's got to be such a challenge not to just keep talking. Derail or something. Yeah. And yeah. it's okay to derail. We, we like the podcast a little raw anyways, right? Not even <laughs> when it's scripted. So Heather, how long have you been, uh, at the, the church has been existent since for how many years now? Okay. So the church is 16 years old or was okay. 16 in August. And I count that up by my, my oldest child's age, like most mothers, <laughs> you know, everything's related to, Oh, that was the year after the year before they were born. So, um, he is 17 this weekend and the church in August turned 16. So when we had our church's, uh, first anniversary service, he thought it was a birthday party for him. And we may (laughs) have just let him think that. (laughs) Oh my word. That's awesome. I have a question about that. So you're in a church plant where, you know, if you know anything about a church plant, listening to this podcast, it's when you basically start a church from scratch. Any time you have something going on like that, it can be very overwhelming. There's some moms out there that are working at home and they're trying to also homeschool their kids. And it's Mm -hmm. very overwhelming. 
Yeah. I think um, you have to, and I hate this word, simplify your life. I hate that phrase because um, I'm not one of the people that thinks less is more. I know that's mm. so in right now, you know, um, and I, I think less is less. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> terrible with that. But um, to the point, though, I see the benefit of it. I, I've learned to enjoy cutting things out. And that's what you have to do. I think when you've got so much going on, you're going to have to say no to some things so that other areas and more important areas don't suffer. Yeah. Um, as silly as it sounds, uh, I remember at a pastor's conference hearing a wife talk and they asked her some questions sim similar to what you just asked me. And she said, my answer is paper plates. Like <laughs> she gave yeah. up the idea of washing dishes and they bought paper plates. Yeah. And I remember even little things like that as a perfectionist in the early mm -hmm. days, it was hard for me to say no you know, my family didn't use paper plates and, you know, a good mom would have dinner set. And I've learned over the years, it's better to have that time with the kids. Sometimes we use paper, sometimes we use regular, but you, you may have to do takeout. There are different things you do so that you can effectively do what God is calling you to do at the time, whether that is yeah. making sure your kids have a good education, being involved with church, which is highly important. Sometimes we sacrifice that. And we're, I think, going to touch on that today because that's a big part of really discipling our kids is yeah. making sure they understand the importance of church, not as a religion, but as part of a spiritual discipline in a sense yeah. to help strengthen the relationship. Right. And um, right. that's a major thing for, I think a lot of us, we can get things out of whack. We are so focused on maybe having those dishes on the yeah. table that we, we let other things go. And we have an angry, frustrated home, um, a home with no room to shift as needed when more things come unexpectedly into our lives because we're unwilling to give up things. Yeah. So. And, and also allowing other people to dictate mm -hmm. what you think is important. So like, right. so another mom could be like, Oh, every night we have a great spread and I do beautiful dishes and you, yeah. you allow that person's life. Um, mm -hmm. And you say, well, I see them, they look busy, but it doesn't matter. It's their life. And you allow their right. life to dictate things for you. And then now you're doing things out of guilt, um, yeah. not because you feel like God wants you to go this direction or handle your family this mm. way, but because you're doing it out of guilt. And if, yeah. I think if we can just get rid of that and just focus, um, as people say, in our own lane and yeah. what God wants, then it does remove e that, even that added stress of the mom guilt that doesn't need to be there. You know. So. Yeah, that is so good. The only other thing I would add, um, in addition to what you said, yeah, you yeah, can take ideas too. from people that are effective, but you yeah. don't try to become a carbon copy of them. Yeah. We weren't made to be yes. carbon copies. Yeah. Um, my mom had a very different uh, world than I live in with my kids. So yeah. I'm not called to do everything that she did. And that actually leads us into our, our questions that um, mm -hmm. I've compiled for this podcast. Is discipling your children the same as parenting? Okay. I would say no. In fact, so would the dictionary. <laughs> so <laughs> parenting is literally the definition is the activity of bringing up a child as a parent. Um, that's not discipleship. That's just raising a kid. Okay. Yeah. Discipleship. My favorite definition of it is discipling. It's one who embraces and insists in spreading the teaching of another. So we see a lot of Christian parents who parent, they raise their kids up. They're right. fairly responsible adults. But have we discipled them? Have we spread into their hearts the teaching of Jesus Christ? Yeah. Um, are we helping them follow that road of discipleship? Of course, it's their choice. They have free will. But what are we doing as parents intentionally 
to help direct them and to let them know who he is, to show them who he is. Yeah. So that would be what I would say would be really discipleship. Um, yeah. Deuteronomy six is the one that we hear. And probably some of you, maybe even when you saw the title, you thought of this. It's a passage that's used a lot when it talks about raising kids, discipling children. Um, verse seven is what's usually hit on. It talks about thou shalt teach them diligently talking about what the Lord has shown you, the law of the Lord. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them while thou sittest in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou allowest, liest down and when thou risest mm, up. And it yeah. goes on and on. But Love as I verse. went back and looked at it, you know, I've always been hearing these verses in the context of you need to constantly be teaching your children. Like when you mm -hmm. sit at the dinner table, and I believe this, sit at the dinner table when you're walking, you know, we thank God for the creation. It's our whole life is about Christ. But when I looked at it this time, I realized that's just one small section. Teaching our children is just one of all the things. It starts with thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And the words which I command thee this day shall be in, in thy heart. It's not talking about really the focus of this passage is not discipling children. It is being a disciple. It goes on. The verse after verse seven says, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be as frontlets between thy eyes and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and the gates. It's really talking about us being disciples. And if we're disciples, one of the things that disciples will do is they will disciple their children. Hmm. And that really hit me because we can't be a disciple maker. We can't disciple our children if we're not true disciples of Christ. That's and that was very convicting to me. And I had a dear friend who spent her life and she was always concerned about her children following the Lord. She wanted them to um, really seek God. But I'm afraid that her walk with God shifted from being a disciple to trying to find this formula, this magic formula to make her children turn out right. And I think that affected some of the things, the choices her kids made, um, because as they began to walk away from God, eventually she left her faith too, which is a real indicator, mm -hmm. I think, of what was going on in her heart. Yeah. But the key there is, I think she allowed what should have been a relationship between her and her kids that draw, would draw them to God because right. of her relationship with God to become a religious activity that yeah. she is going to try to produce through self-effort and religious list, mm. something that only God can produce. Yeah, and I think that's so important. Good. When that we consider good. discipling our kids, we're going to talk about ideas. I love ideas. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to talk course. about some resources. But if we ever let those become the formula, I think we're going to see just the results are not going to be what we're hoping for. Right. Um, what we're doing is out of love for the Lord and obedience to him. It's not to try to manipulate our children and force them because we can't do that. We have to see God doing them what we cannot. Yeah. And so that starts with us following him and seeking him and then allowing him to give us moments that are um, intentional. Yeah. Not just the every day we're talking about, but there are intentional moments of teaching our children who he is. That is really good. Um, th that is very well said. It really is. And how do you, how do you begin discipling them? Like, where do you start? Well, you know, I guess it depends on the age of your kids. So when your kids are little, um, honestly, you are just there to teach them to, that they are loved and to obey. If I had to sum up like those toddler kid years, yeah. <laughs> my focus was 
I love you and God loves you no matter what. We both love you. You are loved unconditionally and so much, like more than you can imagine. And also you're going to obey <laughs> whether you understand it or not. Yeah. And so those early years, it is just exhausting. And um, if you have the, the spiritual gifts of, I don't know, maybe teaching or um, prophecy, you, you may get discouraged during some of those times. So you can definitely teach in those times. But a lot of it is just rote consistency and just, oh my goodness, just keep them alive. That would be the third thing we're called to do as parents of little kids. Teach them that they're loved by God, to obey God and you when they don't understand, and then just keep them alive. Yeah. And then you have, you've done what God has called you to do. Yeah. So while we did things, I mean, we've, I love um, being involved with a church that even from the youngest age um, teaches kids on their age level, something that they can, can learn about God. And by the way, I highly encourage that if you're in a church um, that has children's ministry, put your kids in it. I know there's a big shift in movement towards, you know, um, you know, home churching or the whole family in church. And there's value to that, but that day is going to come when they're teenagers. And so let's get the kids in where they are learning and having fun in church is a place they, they're really excited about going to. And um, I think there's so much power in that when they get older, um, about ages eight through 12, which just really surprised me when I learned this years ago is where kids start forming what they truly believe. I would have thought was in the teen years. Hmm. The teen years is where they start testing out those beliefs to see if they hold water. (laughs) So (laughs) eight to 12, that's a really formative time. Those preteen tween years um, is where they're starting to really think through well, what do I really believe? You know, here's what my friend says. Here's what mom says. Here's what my school book says. And they're starting to determine um, who they are and what they believe about themselves. So these are big, big years. And then the teen years are going to start testing it. So if we wait till the teen years to start discipling our kids, we're missing a giant window. So when it comes to discipleship, I would say start teaching them and being intentional in those ages, eight through 12 with specific instruction and study. I think you can start doing um, studies on their levels at age. And I know some people are able to start earlier and I don't mean that we don't teach them anything. Of course, you're always teaching your kids sure. <laughs> even when they're little, but I think in those, that's when we really start to begin developing um, habits for them, helpful things for them. With teenagers, the best advice I ever got was to keep them talking ask them specific questions. So I just spoke with a mom last night and she's got a teenage daughter who um, is struggling in her faith. And she's, I think about 14. And the mom was so excited because the daughter willingly came to church. She didn't go to youth group, but she came to church. Um, And so I said, well, you know, did you talk with her about the sermon? And she said, well, I said, did you enjoy it? And she said, yes. I said, okay, your challenge for next week is you're going to do what we do in small group. I want you to ask her questions like, you know, about it. Say, what did you think about when pastor said this? And what do you think about the Bible? And then tell her things you're learning. And so developing these conversations, just like Jesus would do with his disciples, talking about um, the, the law of God, talking about who he is. One of the best books I've read, it talked about, it's given in so many good things, but it talked about uh, the statistic that most college students um, will go through about four different kind of identity shifts, <laughs> whether that's with hair, clothes, political beliefs, whatever as they're just kind of figuring out, testing the waters of what they believe, figuring some things out. And as a parent, don't panic, you know, don't freak out. 
And I love it. One mom determined that when her child came back from college, she was going to respond instead of criticism. Hmm. She was going to just say, hmm, that's interesting. And that was her kind of response line for, you know, whatever was different. Yeah. <laughs> I think even when you discuss something with your kids and they say, well, I don't think I say that. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think that is wrong. Something that, you know, is clearly a sin. Um, don't get freaked out. Just respond and say, why not? Well, what does the Bible say about that? You know, yeah. come back with questions and you don't have to have all the answers. Um, as a new Christian, I think sometimes that can be intimidating, but just know, okay, I know the answer is there in scripture. God will reveal it to us in the right time. So let's start studying. Let's do that. Maybe that will direct you into what you study with this child, how you both learn together. And I think that humility, that honesty, that goes a long way. What was a pivotal moment where you realized I can be more intentional about discipling my kids? Uh, I, I would say there's, I'll give you the one major moment, but I'm going to tell you there, the Lord on this journey of parenting has really stepped in all throughout the moments of my life to direct me in this mm. calling and in this intentional discipleship. Yeah. Um, first was, I think before we even had Jonathan, before our oldest was born, um, we had a very dear older couple that we loved in ministry and very influential in our lives. Josh and I both um, just gleaned so much from being around them but they were very honest with us. And one of the things that they had done is they had lost the hearts of their kids and their kids were at that point, I think starting to kind of come back to the Lord, but just all of their children had really walked away from God. And they, they shared various reasons. A lot of it was um, being so highly involved in the lives of others and impacting others and neglecting really doing that same thing with their kids. Mm. And I never forgot that because that was one of their greatest regrets yeah. was that they had, been so busy for the Lord, but they hadn't been intentional with that at home. So that really affected me. I'm a person that's always been highly involved in ministry. Mm -hmm. I love teaching. I love sharing who God is and what he's doing um, with other women. And so I've spent a good deal of my life discipling people. And so remembering the example of that couple who went before me, reading that book really impacted my heart that I, if I'm going to do all this in ministry, God has given me three souls at home, three hearts at home who get to see me day in out, day out. I'm not good with scheduling. So when I would try to disciple a woman trying to set up times of intentional, come serve with me, come be with me. Let's do this book stay together was a challenge. And I thought here, God's already given me three, but it's not a challenge. We're together a lot. <laughs> they see me. We can set this up. I can be more intentional with them. If I'm going to set up a time with a woman and go have coffee for her, why not do that with my teenage daughter? Yeah. and go through a book, stay with her. Discipleship is much more. Um, it is really what we talked about from the beginning. It is letting what God is doing in your life flow out to your mm -hmm. children. So but I think we can take it a step further. And this is what I was talking about before with being intentional mm -hmm. and saying, you know what? Um, and by the way, this is what's great about resources. You don't have to write it. You don't have to be a teacher. You don't even have to be um, a believer who's got a lot of experience under your belt. You can be a brand new believer and grow together with your kids. Yeah. And that's a powerful thing. And that's just by picking up a book and saying, um, whether it's a, an actual Bible study book, which some of these are, yeah. some of these are just books yeah. and you can take them and use them um, and discuss them almost like a little book club, you know, yeah. highlight things, talk about the chapter together. Um, this is going to be, I'm going to give you a warning for most parents. This is easier to do with daughters typically. 
-hmm. than sons, though there are ways <laughs> to disciple your boys too. And I'm going to bring a little bit of that out in just a minute. Good, so I here's resources. <laughs> here's resources. Um, Dana Gresh wrote a book called Eight Great Dates for Moms and Daughters. In fact, since then, she's written about three or four others that um, unfortunately, by the time I discovered it, my girls were phasing out of that age because it's geared for ages eight to 12, mm -hmm. really. And um, she has ones about boys, about friends. I just did the original. She wrote a book that was called Six Ways to Keep the Little in Your Little Girl, Dana Gresh. She also wrote one about something like the good in your good boy. So that would be the mm, one for you, okay. Becky, and other yeah. moms of boys, especially since he's right at that pivotal age. I know you're a reader. So I recommend that because that's going to give you a lot of direction on, um, especially as a mom, how do I yeah. do this with a boy? Um, I read the one for moms and daughters or the how to keep the good or whatever, the little in your little girl. Yeah. And then I discovered through that, the eight great dates for moms and daughters. And that was another thing that helped me decide I wanted to be more intentional in teaching my daughters. And I love this book. Okay. Here's the thing. You're going to love it if you're creative or not creative, because what she does is she gives you eight intentional dates and she makes it fun, which is so important. Discipleship should be fun. Walking with God is yeah. the best thing ever. The most exciting thing ever. That's where we get joy, peace, identity. So, you know, don't make this a, when you start to disciple your kids, don't make it a downer. Figure out, okay, how am I going to make this fun, especially for their age? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. This is perfect for eight to 12 year old girls. She gives you eight different things and it's kind of a little session, but she gives you so many ways that you can adapt it. She gives you practical things, which um, for this age group, girls love it. It's skincare, hair care. You talk about all these different things, yeah. but then you talk about the biblical principle of what is true beauty? What, what are the lies that the world's telling us? What is truth from God's word about this? There's one in that series, as you go through the eight dates, there's one about your time alone with God and walking with him, devotional time, how to spend time with God. I loved it because every date was so special. So I planned it out for the year. I gave my girls a calendar with the date and the time, and I'm not normally that scheduled, but it made it happen for me. Yeah, I put yeah. it in the calendar, and then I just looked at like I would any other appointment. I'm not going to stand up a woman that I told I'd go meet coffee, so I'm not going to stand up my daughters. Yeah. And yeah, doing that made me get through this, made me do it. And um, I planned out what I would do. They had their little notebooks. We just made it a fun event. And that was really one of the first, I'd say, intentional things I used to disciple them. Okay. She's got a lot of resources, great. Um, mostly focused on girls at Secret, secret Keepers. Um, another one, Stay in the Castle. This is a little booklet. It's yeah. by Jerry Ross. Um, another one is Princess and the Kiss by Jenny Bishop. And You Are Special by Max Licato. Um, maybe you take these and you incorporate, I gave them stay in the castle when we were talking through the eight great dates. That was one of their gifts. I gave them on one of their dates okay. was this little book about, it's a romantic story about waiting for the one God has for you staying pure, but it's written in a fairy tale in a wet level that they can understand it. Yeah. And that's kind of what those books are. You are special talks about identity in Christ, but it tells a story, a parable. Um, so these are all great. You could use these together with another resource. You could just begin even with younger kids, some of these would be applicable uh, yeah. that you could start reading. You are special to your kids when yeah. they're little. Uh, another one that we've just recently done. I went through this with my oldest on vacation. So this was fun because he got to talk about his answers as we drove around the car and his sisters could listen. <laughs> so it's called dating standards. Okay. And, um, this is a little booklet by our friends, uh, Sam Brock and Cindy Brock there. You can find this at ironwood.org, ironwood.org, dating standards. I think the book is like five bucks, something like that. It's so affordable. 
And I love this because it doesn't give them a bunch of rules. It directs them to scripture. And then it says, what does God want you to do with this? That's great. And it makes them think through even mm-hmm. just practical things through dating, trying to find a spouse. It, it has character qualities uh, at one point that you have to list out, which is the most important to you. And that was fun because as we talked through as a family, we would challenge some of it. You know, we'd be like, so really looks aren't important. <laughs> you, know? you don't care at all at all about what you know and we would talk through and we'd laugh about it and then some of it just let us know his heart mm-hmm. it was interesting to me certain things that were very important to him and i don't even know if he realized how important those those traits were until we went through that book okay. so this year i'm just finished up this summer because i typically try every summer school years are so busy so i do a lot of my intentional discipleship in the summer with my kids the girls and i went through lies that girls believe i went mm-hmm. through that with my 11 year old and Lies That Young Women Believe. That was with my 14-year-old. Both are written by Nancy Lee DeMoss, Wolgamoth, and Dana Gresh again. They partnered okay. together to adapt this for young women. And I would say Lies That Girls Believe is perfect for that 8 to 12 range. Yeah. And then above that, young women, it gets into more. If you have a very sheltered daughter um, or one, I, I would say maybe that 13, she might be able to do girls rather than young women. Okay. Young women does get into stuff, but even though my daughter is sheltered, she's living in a world that is not sheltering, a world that you can't help um, but hear. And you're going to meet people in the youth group that are struggling with gender identity and all these things. And so many things that were addressed in there, it was great because we were able to talk through it and really say, what does the Bible say? Because I want her to know the truth. As culture is telling her one thing, I want her to always be able to go back to what does the Bible say? And it's wonderful. By the way, when we went through some of these, there's um, a part in that book with both girls. I said, now, wait a minute. Is that, the, is what the author says? Is that really what the Bible says? Mm. There's a part that we disagreed with. Yeah. And it was great to talk through that. We didn't get angry about it. We didn't chuck the book out the window. Right. But that was yeah. discipleship. That was teaching yes. them. Read a resource, hold it up to the scripture right. and trust the Holy Spirit in the word of God. And if something there is there, that's not biblical, that's just opinion. And, you know, we even discuss why they might've put that. They're trying to help girls that don't have a mother that are trying, they're trying to protect them from some things, but the Bible actually doesn't give that standard. That's yeah. just something that they adopted. And now they're passing it on as biblical truth when it's a personal standard. Remember I told you boys, you can disciple boys. Yes. <laughs> I, for years, um, my husband did most of the discipling for my son. They would do mandates. Josh disciples very different than me. He would do um, dates where they would go out and talk intentionally about certain subject matter. Really was great because it created openness and accountability with another man hmm. for my son. Yeah, that's but great. as the Lord worked in his life, I really began to pray and probably got a little sentimental too. I'm like, um, I began to see the window of the Lord opening his heart when he got older to listen to me. I would say for a few years while he still loved me, I was the woman, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> and it was just, as they're becoming men, yes. there is this part in them that often won't listen to mom. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just mom, but now all of a sudden he's been reading a lot in Proverbs. He's learning a lot about, you better listen to your mom. Mom knows what girls are thinking <laughs> and uh, mom <laughs> is praying for you and mom will pray for you till the day she dies. She's invested in you. Yeah. So as he began to listen to me, I would have times where I would write him letters or different things. And it just would be impactful. God gave us windows of moments for deep conversations where you could just see him in tune. So I prayed about, it and I asked him this year, I said, I'm not going to be hurt if you say no, but would you be interested in doing what your sisters and I do 
would you be interested in doing a discipleship where we read through a book or something, do a study together? And he's like, yeah, I would. So we looked at two different ones. Um, I found the screw tape letters, uh, which it's got a teen guide by Alan Verm Vermillier. Um, and I highly recommend that because that gives us the questions. So you read, nice. we read about three chapters in a setting. We do it on Sunday morning before the first uh, service. We'll sit in the car and we get coffee. And by the way, I got coffee with all my kids. They love going to Starbucks. So when we would read the book and discuss the chapter, we'd go get coffee. That's great. <laughs> and makes it fun. Yeah. Um, so with him, I'll get coffee and we go through and we'll read a chapter of screw tape letters, which I had never read before, actually read portions of it, but I never sat and read C.S. Lewis's work in this about spiritual warfare. And the teen guide is great because it asks questions, especially geared for teens. And we've had some of the best conversations. I've been learning. I've been encouraged. And it's been great to open even more doors for us to talk through. Um, I had looked at another one that was a men's study by Tony Evans. And I felt like uh, no teenage boy wants to talk about really, really, really sensitive man issues with their mom. But I felt like that one was broad enough that maybe we could do it because it dealt more with just character. Yeah. And who knows, maybe the Lord will open the opportunity for us to do that next summer. But he really leaned into screw tape letters. So I think moms just know, um, and we'll talk more about this maybe later, but you're, you're not going to be able to address every specific issue yeah. uh, that a guy faces and, and your son is not going to want to go there with you. Yeah. But you can hit those character things and you can work through biblical principles and let the Holy Spirit work through that side of his heart and partner with other people in that. Okay. I'm not going to share any more resources, but <laughs> there are so many good ones out there. And I feel like that's where we're so blessed that we can find these things. Um, we can, and we can adapt them, adapt it. Um, with my kids, I didn't want the pressure of us trying to read the chapter and meet together to discuss. So when we've done book studies, we read the chapter together. And that's how we do it. And we talk through it. So you can make this work, adapt it to what works for you. When you, um, when you do it, if you're wanting to be intentional, be realistic. Yeah. Um, choose good resources. If you have a kid that's into science, Answers in Genesis has tons of stuff. Yeah. Um, schedule. If you want it to happen, schedule it. Uh, maybe it's, I would book it with something else. Maybe for me, like I said, my son and I found that Sunday mornings, I never thought Sunday morning would work, but my kids are older now yeah. and able to get the coffee and sit in the car and do that study. And it's been a perfect thing because it's scheduled. It's like part of our routine. Pray with them. That's, that's the number one thing. I think if you don't do anything else, even if you don't do a fully intentional study, how about beginning to pray regularly with your kids yeah. and praying with them and for them. And that's where I want to conclude is just what we said at the beginning is true. The biggest thing that has taught me the most in my Christian life and stretched me to depend on God and learn who he is, is number one, going through loss and grief. Mm -hmm. And number two, parenting tweens and teens. Yeah. <laughs> because when my kids became teenagers and, and tweens, um, I hate that word, preteens, <laughs> <laughs> when they got to that age group, I really, what you were saying before, I began to realize, you know, I can't change their heart. Yeah. Um, I began realizing at eight, nine, 10, where your kids are, that I can't protect them from everything. Right. So I began pertaining a lot of protection. But then I began to see Satan going after areas of their lives as they became, you know, teenagers and stuff. And they just, I began to realize it really is so much dependent on God's grace. Yeah. My father-in-law has always said that about parenting. He's like, when people would say, how did you get your kids to turn out right? Again, we all want the formula, you know? Right. And for years I've heard Dave Tice say, oh, it's by the grace of God. 
he'd share practical things, but he'd ultimately always say it's the grace of God. And I remember thinking, well, that's just like a thing you say. I mean, we, we know it's true, but it's like, really, here's the formula. I'm telling you, it is the grace of God. I'm so excited for others to hear this and to be helped and encouraged. And so thank you, Heather, so much for being on the podcast today. Ah, thanks for having me, Becky. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope that you will share this with a friend. Also, if you can give me five stars and write a review, this will help others to find the podcast and be encouraged as well. Have a great week and I'll talk to you next time on the I Can Relate podcast.